We were starting a new uh, study in here, a new book of the um, New Testament. Uh, most of the time you will find out that if I'm studying anything, it will be in the New Testament. Uh, I like God's plan of salvation, and of course it was foretold in the Old Testament, but all that has come to pass with the life of Jesus, his death, his ascension back, I mean his resurrection, and then his ascension, and the promise that he's coming back for us. And um, I decided today to read from a different translation uh, because I think that helps all of us sometimes. When we run into a difficult passage of Scripture and we'll find that each, each author will write uh, differently, I'm sure that what I would write down if I was writing a story would probably be different from... Uh, Ken's, it would probably be different from yours. He said it. You're going to look up what? Another version. Okay. Well, I'm going to be reading today from the um, English Standard Version. And someone else in here got a copy of this Bible the day that Billy Bird's wife, Bale, brought in all those. This is definitely the right size print for me. It's on white paper. Sometimes the white paper is easier to see than some of the others, and especially the thin paper. And again, it um, gives us a different look on some, not a different look on it, but sometimes a different word will be used that lets us know what a word was that we read that we didn't know what it meant. You know, so instead of stopping and looking up what that word is, I think one of them in this is manifest that we find in one translation, and yet in this one we find reveal. So right off, we're giving um, the definition if we don't know the first one. Now, when we're in trouble is when we don't know what manifest means, and we don't know what reveal means, then we've got to go to the third one and find out or get a dictionary and find out uh, what uh, is being written for us to understand. There's nothing wrong with translations. You know, I remember when we taught this class several years ago, uh, we had one woman that did get up and leave on the day that I read from something other than the King James Version. And uh, I respect everyone's beliefs, and, uh, but I did explain to her that uh, from time to time I do use different translations, and, uh, but, and most of the people that were in the class did, and, uh, but for you that have always used the King James Version, that's fine. For those who from time to time has relied on other translations, depending on the only thing I have against translations sometimes is we always go back and talk about how church was when we were young, if we can remember that far back. But, you know, we were pretty well, and uh, Sylvia, I'm going to include you in with it because you were probably in my age group. But uh, we were the uh, King James only people. So when we memorized scripture, 
that's what we memorized. In fact, that may be true for everybody in here. And uh, because it's not, we were not exposed to other translations as much. Not that they talked against them, we just didn't hear that much about it. And so uh, when we memorize scriptures, it was King James. And that's why many times when one will come to my mind, or probably to your mind, whether it's the 23rd Psalm or whatever it is, 100th Psalm, or any of those that we memorized, John 3:16, we remember it because we memorized it in the King James Version. Now, what's happening in some of the Sunday schools today and with our children, our children are coming in with different translations, just like we do. So when it comes to the memory work, it's not being done as much in, with our young children as it used to be, I don't think. And because of that, then we need to um, make sure that uh, there is an agreement on maybe what we're going to learn so that we can all learn it together or whatever. Not us as much as some of the Sunday school classrooms. We welcome each and every one of you, and we want to make sure that you do have a Bible. Do you have one with you? Okay, uh, let me see. You're quick. You're quick, Mikey. Huh? Uh, we're in First uh, John, or the Epistle of John, which is right before the end of the New Testament. Oh, I've got responsive readings in here. Hmm. Mikey probably got her a bigger print when she went over there. You know, it's bad me. I tell them people. Okay. Again, most of the time I do use uh, New King James, which is about the same as we've talked about before as King James. But at other times, I think it is good that we go, especially if we find that what we are studying or the book that we are in is a little bit more difficult to understand, then Paul's writings to me are difficult to understand. Then maybe we need a little help, and so we go with another translation and uh, if we don't see that it changes the meaning, then um, it may be something that we are uh, using as a tool that will help us. Um, we have found out that most of you bring your own Bible, and you've got one that you're used to. And there's our girl. You're walking like me now. You okay, Tanya? Uh-huh. Betty's missed you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and we can call it a day of worship and a day of fellowship because that's what we've come for. We have come together to learn more so we know what your will is for our lives, and that's the most important thing to us right now. 
we've set aside time of what we call our day so that we may give it to you and we may understand again just the important things in life. Not the things that we seem to be so involved in, but Lord, show us what the most important things in life are so that our lives will be spent with that. We pray, Lord, that you will help us as we read today your word and as we put ourselves or try to in uh, John, the beloved, the writer of 1 John's place, so that we might understand what he is trying to write, not only to the people in his day, but also to us today. And we know that he has much to say. And some of the situations that were going on in his day are going on in our day. Again, make us better Christians and followers of Jesus Christ because we study your word. Reveal it to us today, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you ever get just hungry for the word of God? We're all supposed to sometime or other. We are supposed to have that hunger and the Bible speaks not only of a hunger, but a thirst for righteousness. And we cannot be righteous unless we know what being righteous is, right? And that's why many times when we pray, we're praying that God reveals to us his word. Because by revealing his word to us, then he's letting us know what he requires of us. And what is a Christian or how is a Christian supposed to live? When we read the different epistles, and we all have learned by reading James that it's a letter, and I've noticed that in this translation that I'm going to use, it calls it the first letter of 1 John, not the first epistle. So it's already helping us understand if we didn't know what epistle was, it's letting us know that it's a letter. But in all this that's written, we find out that there are so many uh, people who um, have that hunger and that thirst for knowing just what God wants them to do. I had someone ask me one time, they said, uh, how do we know when God is calling us to do a certain thing? And most of the time that question is asked because of ministry. My uncle always felt that God was calling him into the ministry. And then after going to college several years and by making a lot of preparation, one day he decided, no, that wasn't what God was calling him to do. But when I'm asked the question, how do you know, I usually answer it is if you don't know now, you're not called yet. Because when God really wants you to do a certain thing, you've heard this, when God is calling you to do a certain thing, at that time of that calling, you'll know. It may be just to go to speak to someone about uh, um, knowing Jesus Christ. It may be about taking in an office in the church or doing a certain thing for someone that's sick. I'm glad that through all 
of my sickness in the last uh, two months that the Lord sent Betty. Betty lives close to me, and I'm sure that's why he sent her. She was the closest one. But, uh, you know, she's what? I was very blessed. That's right. Okay, Y'all live close together? No? Well, you're even more blessed then. She's coming, uh, both of you, to keep up with each other. But anyway, um, wherever I was, but, uh, you know, we do need to know what God wants us to do. So I think that's why you're here. Are you here for that reason? Okay, that's good. That we've set aside time that we can come and we can talk about God's word. But most of all, not talk about it. Hear him reveal it to us through his Holy Spirit. See, I believe that's the way it's done. You know, because even when Jesus was preparing to leave, he told that when the Holy Spirit came, he will teach you. He will guide you. He will lead you. And, you know, it is the Holy Spirit that is with us even today so that we may understand what we're going to read. Now, uh, we found out last week, and again, we've got several, several more today than we had last week. And uh, for the, also the reason that some of the things I remember going over and some things I don't. <laughs> for the third reason, I am overwhelmed at even what's in this uh, first letter of John. We compared it to James because that's what we studied the last time. But uh, we're going to talk about the writer for you that were not here and for some of the things that I did forget. But uh, the writer of 1 John is also the writer of the Gospel of John. He also wrote not only this epistle, but he wrote 2nd and 3rd John. And also, I didn't even mention this last week, but he wrote Revelation. Uh, he was the oldest disciple to live. In fact, it's believed that when he wrote this, that he, was, he probably wrote them all at the same time. And... Uh, he was about 98 years old. When you at the rate I'm going, I'm not sure I could write anything at 98 because it depends on how I'm shaking on that day. But uh, again, if it's God's will that I become a writer and live to 98, it'll be written down, right? But anyway, there he was. He had been a leader in the church. He followed Jesus in fact, he was known as the beloved disciple or one of the inner circle. Even when we start to school, we find that there's not supposed to be. Once in a while, there's an inner circle. They used to call it the teacher's pet. And I don't think I ever got to be. But um, it didn't mean that uh, the teacher favored one above the other. Jesus, I don't believe, ever favored these three, Peter, James, and John more than he did the others. But he did see that they were with him most of the time because he knew that he could trust them. So what we find out about John is John could write about Jesus in the gospel because he was always there. 
He went on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and Peter and, John, and James. This is not the James that we've been talking about, but this would be uh, James, John's brother. I'll get them all mixed up before it's over, so y'all can correct me and won't offend me. But I don't think you will. <laughs> it's just confusing when you get to John, you get to James, and you get to the ones that have the, the same name. The, um, the letter here is written, and it's different when it starts out from the other epistles because it doesn't have a to and from. Even his other epistles start out with, I'm writing this to so-and-so, and also I am, uh, it's from me. And uh, again, we talked one time about James, about how we introduce ourselves sometimes as a servant of Jesus Christ. Do you remember that? That's a good way to introduce ourselves. Um, and, uh, but in fact, that's about the only way I can. You know, when they go to put down uh, Ken and, and uh, Joanne, all that stuff I'm supposed to put down and degree from here and there and whatever, well, you know, I can't put all that on one paper. And I just have to put down I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. What better uh, title could you have? No better title. But anyway, John is not introducing himself here. He starts out uh, the very way that another book that he wrote started out, and we're going to read both of them to compare it. This was not done last week, but it's something I think that needs to be done. Let's turn to the Gospel of John. Hold on to 1 John. That shouldn't be too hard. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm past Acts here. I need to start paying attention to some of these TV preachers when they tell you, now when you're there, do such and such. But I didn't forgot what I was supposed to do when I got there. <laughs> The gospel according to John was also written by John the Beloved, the same one that is writing this epistle that we're going to read. And I think when we read these first five verses of the gospel of John, and then we go and we read the first uh, four verses of 1 John, we're going to see right off it was the same person, you know. It's very easy to identify. Uh, Pastor Will, have you got the Gospel of John? Okay. First John 1 through 5. We can all hear him when he speaks. Yes, no, uh, the Gospel of John. We're going to read them both. Have you got the gospel? Has everybody got the gospel of John? Okay, yes. One, one. In the beginning. 
I'm reading from the NIV version. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay. Now, see if this sounds the same. This is the first letter of John, 1 John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Does that sound like the same writer? He starts almost out, especially the first verses, that uh, speaking about what happened in the beginning. And then he testifies that he is a witness to everything, so that gives him the authority to settle an argument that is going on with the people of God at this time. We've not mentioned what that problem was. The problem was that in John's day, and to those he's writing this letter to, some of them believed that Jesus was God's son and that he was both human and divine. Divine meaning God's son, or he was God. Divine, I mean, human meant that he sent him, or God sent him to earth in human form. Well, some of them didn't believe that could be possible, and yet the word of God says it is. So he was uh, trying to write to these people to get them to not forsake what they had been taught that Jesus is God's son. He's divine, and he was also here as a human being. As the scripture says, many times tempted like we are, going through the same struggles we go through, but yet letting us know that God can be help us to make the right decisions and all because even Jesus was a human being when he was here and doing the will of his father. Again, one of those things that could be confusing for some, but see, some things we do accept by faith. We don't totally understand it or try to figure it out, but yet we accept it because God said so or the word of God says so. That's where our faith comes in. But he goes on and John writes to the people and he's letting them know that uh, Jesus was human and divine. 
and that they are not to believe the false teachers that are coming up and telling them that this is not so. Someone said one time, and I wrote it down on something, that the reason for him writing this um, book was to get them uh, back on track. He put believers back on track with this writing. Is there ever a time that we need to be back on track? Sometimes just as an individual, we get off track, don't we? Joanne, you're just as smiling like you know what getting off track is. <laughs> We're all smiling now. We do. You know, Pastor Will used it just a few weeks ago when he says we're going to get back on track to get the Bible study going again. So we're back on track. This is the way we're supposed to be going right now. The people that John was writing to with this le lesson, they were getting off track. And we can get off track very easily, uh, even today, because of what is being taught and what's being preached to whether we accept it or whether we accept what God has taught us. This is one of the reasons why it's so important to read the word of God for ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us or to teach us all things. You know, if the Holy Spirit is teaching me and he's teaching uh, Tanya, then we should be getting it right. We should be on the same track. But when we've got everybody, I mean, listening to, as the scripture says, every wind of doctrine, then we're going to hear about anything. In fact, we can, I love to pick up the cell phone now more than even turn the TV on and go down through there and find out what's happening. And I am amazed at some of the things that I hear. But I'm more amazed at some of the people that, are being listened to and what they are actually telling people and this is in the religious field what they are telling people and people are following them it's more important it's just as important for us today to study the word of god and to hear from people that have the authority like john did as it was for them in that day see it tells us that even at the day that john wrote this uh, as I don't know if I've said this yet, but Peter had already died. Uh, James had already died. We talked about he's running around with his buddies. Well, they were already gone. And even the Apostle Paul had died at this time. So you've got all these other people that have rose up to tell their stories. And uh, is there such things as people that will not tell you the truth sometimes? I think the Bible speaks of that as false prophets. Uh, there's a little of everything out there now that we can even uh, choose to believe or, or not believe. Um, and this is why John is writing the letter. Again, one of the reasons is to get the people back on track. They've been on track. Uh, when they scattered from Jerusalem before it was gone, then uh, and they had to, to leave and go here and there because of their uh, trying to protect themselves to keep from uh, persecution. They were on track before then. But sometimes when struggles come and different things come into our lives, 
That's when we get off track. We can let tragedy come. We can let even sickness or whatever, and the next thing we know, we're not on track like we used to be. We've heard people say many times that it's hard to get back in church and to get back doing what God wants us to do if we've not done it for a while. You know that. I mean, I know that. It's been five weeks, I think, since I have been able to be in worship, and I thank God for the online worship. But still, uh, how many people is that reaching today that could not uh, be able to, to come to church? And uh, that's why it's so important now that that is the way the gospel is getting preached. And it is going to all parts of the earth. Uh, Will, what is the attendance or the number of people that do uh, watch on Sunday afternoon? Uh, in, in the course of one week, it's about 3,000. Okay. We don't have 3,000 on Saturday morning, do we? No. But when we come, we need to thank God every Saturday that we couldn't get here. Right? Because I know the difference. But yet I thank him when I find that I can't come for a certain reason that we can watch it online and we can see what God is doing and, how, and the message that he has for us just the same as he has for those that are here and attend. Uh, as we read this, we'll find out that there were more than one reason why this was written about uh, 90 A.D. Again, uh, I've got down the old man was about 98. I'm being disrespectful. But 98's old. 98, yes. Uh-huh. That's okay. Okay. Uh-huh. We thank you for that, and we're glad you're here with us today. That's a beautiful song. Yeah. Okay. Just depends on what he wants. Some of them here did not hear it. been in church in years. Um, I'm a true believer of Jesus Christ. 
I'm, I'm a true, firm believer of God. I've always loved God. Um, I always watch T.D. Jakes, and, you know, every night I would watch him, and I'd have so much peace. It would help me fall asleep. And I have another thing to say. While I was, when I got out from being incarcerated a year ago, um, I was homeless, and I was walking these streets. And back, the first road right here, you turn left, and there's a lawyer's office right there. Well, in the back, there's a church upstairs. Well, I slept underneath it. I, I thought that, um, you know, I felt, I was sleeping on the benches, and I felt a bad spirit, like something bad was gonna happen. So I wanted to move from where I was at. So I went, I found that little spot underneath that church. And the, the very first night, the, I think it was the very first night, it was the very first night that I stayed there, I felt a presence around me. This is a true story. I knew there was a presence around me. And when I, the, that morning came, as soon as I opened my eyes, I seen a vision of white, silky gown going by me, like he was going back up the stairs to the church. I don't know. They had tennis shoes on. That's all I know, and it was white, silky gown. But this is the first time I've been in church in years. But I love God. We hope that's not the last time. When we read this, we're finding out that John had a testimony, just like Debbie did. He wanted people to know that they could believe in Jesus Christ because he had seen him, which he had personally. I mean, he had traveled with him. He had ministered with him. He had even been there and watched the healings. He had seen him. He said, we have seen with our eyes We've looked upon and we've touched him with our hands and said we have heard his voice. That's what a testimony is, and that's what Debbie is telling us through hers, that she believes in Jesus Christ because she has experienced a one-on-one -on -one with him. If someone has the reason to write, John did. In other words, you can believe all these other people but you don't have to uh, believe people that have not experienced something firsthand. Yeah. Okay. So there was a separation came between you and your family, and at that point you were suicidal? Yes, I was suicidal. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. We've all got a testimony, don't we? There's always something that we can say that will help uh, to help people. One of the um, things that um, main reasons that John could testify and people believe it was because uh, he did it in all sincerity because he had a purpose and that was to uh, get them back on track but he also gives some other purposes down here for his writing he said um, we are writing these things this is down to verse 4 we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete in other words, if he testifies correcting the situation that is going on, in other words, people don't understand, they're going in a different direction, they're not on track, they're believing that Jesus was not God's son, and it, he is saying that he's writing these things down so that their joy may be complete. In other words, their joy is not complete right now anyone that is outside of following Jesus Christ their joy is not complete by no means and so that is why that it's important that we do testify so that someone else that may be going through some of the same things or as we say they're off track then that witness that they're given or John's given through his writing is to let them know there can come a time when their joy can be complete. Verse 5, he said, this is the message we, I want to go back to verse 3, because this is important. I wanted to bring this up last week, and I really didn't. Verse 3, uh, he said, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Okay, He's not only saying that we write these things so that your joy may be complete. He's saying that we proclaim these things, which we've seen and heard, so that you too, in other words, the people he's writing to, that you may have fellowship with the Father, just like we have fellowship with the Father, and also we have fellowship with each other. Do you ever been in a church that didn't have any fellowship? <laughs> Yeah. Pastor Will and I have talked about this lately, that we have noticed a change in the people who are attending church here on Saturday morning because we have the tendency, and you can correct me if I'm quoting this wrong, but uh, there's more of a fellowship afterwards, okay? Just like Betty, you were telling me you'd miss Tanya. You know, we've seen the day that we could come and maybe we didn't know each other at all. And so when it was over, we went to the house, you know, or we talked maybe to the person that came with us. But we're beginning to be more of a family, uh, more of a fellowship. And the fellowship is something that we share with somebody else because we have a common goal. And hopefully that common goal is to please Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's your testimony that people believe because they uh, have your witness, you know, the, what, the difference in your life before and the difference now. And, um, but um, evidently, even these people that uh, John was writing to at this time, they had been told so much. They were confused. They were confused. That's right. They were off track, and it took somebody that had the authority or had seen, heard, and, and uh, believed to talk to them about what was true and what's not. Uh, but again, let's talk a minute about the fellowship. People do have fellowship one with the other. The early church had fellowship with each other. When we find out that we are with God's people wherever we worship, and all of a sudden the fellowship's gone, we need to be praying that God brings it back. Because no church or body of believers is going to grow unless there's fellowship among those that worship there. I had a problem at one church that I was at at one time. It was one that I worshipped in. And uh, I actually had two brothers that never did speak to each other. And my prayer was that before I left that church that that would happen. With my father being in ministry and being involved, not ministry, it is ministry to uh, be in the funeral business, but um, I found out that in almost all families there can be some people that are not in fellowship <laughs> with the rest of the family. And I think that that's one thing that we need to try to do more than anything is we need to try to restore any broken fellowships that are there. Sometimes it can't be done, but uh, we at least need to try to. And I know that even when I left a certain church, the two brothers were still not speaking, even though that was one thing that I had uh, desired to happen before I did leave. Uh, being in fellowship with each other is having the common goal. The common goal is to please God. And God is not pleased when one of us is at odds with somebody else, and especially in the body of Christ or in the church. And, uh, but anyway, um, he is talking about how that they are to be in fellowship with each other but if you're in fellowship with God and somebody else is in fellowship with God, um, I, if you're in fellowship with God and I'm in fellowship with God, then both of us uh, are in fellowship with each other, right? And even this scripture will go on and say that if uh, it says, but if we walk in the light, this is verse 7, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He goes right before that to proclaim that God is light. So if God is light and we're in fellowship with light, and someone else is in fellowship with light, we have to be at the same place. We're in fellowship with each other. So uh, again, we brought out last week about how when John 
starts writing this, he has three different themes to bring out. You remember what the three ales were? Well, you're doing pretty good there, Betty. What was it? Love? Oh, you got the answer in my book. She got it wrote down in there. Okay, you didn't cheat, did you? <laughs> you got the answer book, Betty. I was going to read it too. That's right, so I wouldn't forget it. God is light, God is love, and God is life. That's eternal life. I mean, what more do you want there? In other words, he is a solution to every problem that we may have. And when the heading that I have in this, it says walking in the light. And John had done that. He had actually been walking with Jesus and had been with him during his ministry days. Okay, chapter 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. Okay, he's got another reason here. If we go through here, he's always putting down, I'm writing this so that you may have fellowship. I'm writing this so that you, we've added to it that you may get back on track. Now, we didn't find that in the, this, but that was a reason. But he's also writing this for him to have fellowship. And then when you get down to chapter 2, and we are in 1 John, uh, he says, my little children, we talked last week about at his age, he was calling everybody a child just about. I hope I live that long, that everybody's a child. Betty, how old was your mother when your mother died? 103 and a half. 103 and a half. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it was when, last year? It was several years ago, wasn't it? Okay. By herself? 103 and a half. Yeah. Now that's a lot to thank the Lord for. Not only that, she left a good example of how you're supposed to live, too. He said, my little children. She probably thought everybody was younger, too. They were. You know, she was actually living, and everyone she spoke to was younger than she was. I remember those days when everybody was older than me. That's a long time ago. I do. I remember when I went to the minister's meeting, uh, Pastor Will, and I was the youngest one there. Been a long time ago. <laughs> We all can remember what age means sometimes, but he writes, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Okay. See, we've talked about one of the important things about reading the Word of God is that God allows us to know what's wrong and what's right. There's things we're not supposed to do, and there's things we are supposed to do, right? So if we know what they are, then we know more how to live, right? So he's saying that uh, I'm writing this so that you may not sin. In other words, you don't have to. 
You need to pray for God to help you. And you have to know what is wrong and that God holds us accountable for it. But listen to the rest of it, and you've heard this so much. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Does anyone else have another word besides advocate in the translation you got? What did the NIV, did you still got it, Will? Um, to uh, verse 20, uh, verse um, 1. Chapter 2 of 1 John, verse 1. But if anyone does sin, does yours, ha yours has advocate, doesn't it? Um, both of y'all? Okay. In other words, you got somebody that's going to plead your case, right? In other words, if you do sin, then God, or well, Jesus Christ will plead your case. Um, you have an ad, it says advocate too. Okay. Evidently, most of the people knew then what the word advocate meant. <laughs> Well, here's you another word in the second verse. He is the propitiation for our sins. You know what that means? It means he's our sacrifice. The word of God teaches us that when Jesus died for us, he was the supreme sacrifice that an animal does not have to be offered up now when we sin for our forgiveness. We don't have to make uh, another sacrifice like they did in the Old Testament. But Jesus died one time for one or two of us, everybody, for the entire world. Whosoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. We talked about this last week, about how that John, he doesn't hesitate to call uh, someone a liar, does he? Or to say something's not the truth. He says, I know him, but, but whosoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whosoever keeps his word in him Truly, the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him, this we should understand. Whosoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. What's another word for walk? Live. In other words, if we say that we abide or we live 
uh, in him or in God, says we also walk in the same way in which he walked. We live. We say the same things that he said. We go the places that he would go. We do the things, actions that God would do. We pattern our lives after his. Does that sound right? Yeah. It said, whosoever said he abides in him ought to walk in the same way. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it's a new commandment that I was writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light, here's a plain one, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. We don't have to have that explained to us, do we? Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I have no idea what time it is because the light glares on the clock. Well, I've got something about the four minutes. Okay, and we have a four-minute testimony. Let us end with this. Um, okay. Okay. We will finish, not finish, we will continue with uh, verse 6 when we come back next week. Okay. make this really quick. Um, I was sitting on my couch. I come from a wedding in Alabama. I got back Friday night. Um, when I got back to where I live, the place was tore up. They had tore the air conditioners and stuff off the wall, ch stove change machines. There was, it was just a mess. All right. So Monday morning, I don't know, something kept telling me, you can do something. You're just one person, but you can do something. All right. Yesterday, I was sitting on the couch, and it was like God said, get up. Get up off this couch, and you can do something. You can help these homeless people if you want to. You could go out there, and you can have a voice. One person, one person can move a mountain. All right? So I got on the phone. I went through so many people. And let me tell you what, I got results. God had put in me to go on a mission yesterday, and this morning a bunch of people showed up to help, to try to help these homeless people, to try to help us. They came together, and I'm telling you what, I was so overwhelmed that God had listened to me, and I listened to him. But he told me to get up and do this. 
go talk to all these people that you need to talk to. I'm gonna direct you, and he did. He directed me in the right direction to talk to everybody I needed to talk to. She is one example, because I prayed that they would come here and ask for help. And I also said, Shades of Grace cannot do it by themselves. They need help. And look, God has bringing us the people. He will bring them to us. So all we gotta do is just keep praying and just have our faith and it will happen. Amen, I pray. Keep the, just keep the faith, God will bring them. Uh, closing minutes let us stand and uh, let us pray for Wayland's family uh, about uh, one hour from now there will be a service here for someone that came here this was their place of worship and uh, most of us here if not all of us know Wayland and uh, we know that there were many times that he was seeking God in his life, and I don't think that God ever failed him. I think every time that he called out that he uh, was listening to whatever Wayland's need was at that time. And so we don't pray for his needs now, but we do pray for his mother, and uh, he has a half-brother and some other family members. And we pray for all those, even us, that are grieving the loss and uh, for Pastor Will today, that the message that he brings will be a message of comfort to that family. Lord, we thank you for all the people you place in our lives and those that come through these doors. And we know that one day Waylon came for the first time and he met a lot of people and he's been here several years and been very faithful in his attendance to coming, always coming and always seeking to know what God's will was for his life. There were a lot of struggles that he had and a lot of things that tried to block his way, but still he never gave up into faithfully seeking God and seeking uh, how his life should be. We thank you, Lord, and believe totally that he's with you. And we thank you for uh, the example that he did set for many of us of how he did seek your favor. But Lord, we pray today for these hours of remembering him or this time of remembering him. And we pray that it will be a time when others will also know that when we do seek you, we do find you and you do hear us. We pray for his mother and his family and we pray knowing that just the loss of his dad was not even uh, two years ago. We pray, Lord, that you will bring your comforting Holy Spirit's presence to be in this service. And may, Father, may you be glorified and may you be praised and may it truly be a service that will let everyone who's attending know that our main goal should be to serve you. Again, bring healing to broken families. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.